Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, speculation, uh, concerning Marvel films and TV show. I, I'm struggling here. I don't know why. I'm tired. <laughs> we had our, uh, I don't know if I've told you, I'm the manager of a baseball team now of mostly eight and nine-year-olds. So, so we had a game tonight and it's fun, but I find I'm old enough now that I'm tired when I get home from those things. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting old sucks. But, uh, but little kids playing baseball is fun. It is. They're really, it's really early. And like, they're, it's, it's like young kids who don't know much. So like they can only take a base at a time and they get five strikes and it's all that Aww. kind of fun stuff. Fun. It does mean I get, oh my gosh, the questions. Hey coach, can I play first base next inning? Hey coach, where am I in the batting order? Can I see the batting order? Coach, am I allowed to stand over here? Hey, can we do this? Hey, what's the name of the other team? It's like never ending. I have 13 kids and they all ask 14 questions a game, which you can do the math. It's insane. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like you have far more experience with kids than I do, but I was a summer camp counselor once Mm -hmm. and like we had a rule. Don't let the kids have time to think. (laughs) <laughs> like like if there was any downtime you just immediately like made them sing a song or do a dance like we had just like a stockpile of yeah you know crap the microphones won't come on so you start this you know waddle yacha whatever um so i'm trying to think of like a baseball equivalent like just engage them with something else part of the problem with baseball is there's a lot of just standing in the field and waiting for something to happen yeah and then sitting in the dugout and waiting for something to happen yeah and um with electronics and stuff kids are no longer like they don't know what to do with like even 30 seconds of downtime you know yeah maybe they should do waddle in the outfield i have no what what is waddle it's just one of those like little like tap on the ground clap your hands I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like the cup game, but without cups. Yeah. Yeah. You just need like your thighs and your hands to clap and like they could. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like being bored either. I I still, when there's downtime, do waddly out to myself. Yeah. (laughs) Or pull yourself out of your pocket or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm bad about that. Listeners. If you can't tell yet, it's just Rihanna and I today, Adam Ah. made himself available, but late enough in the evening that we just kind of kicked him out for this week. So. Yeah, we're both too old to stay up that late. Now, Rhiannon, you're uh, you're getting ready for a trip, right? I am. I am. I am going to Italy for two weeks. Um, now, are you living like a hermit to try to like yes. stay away from the COVID? Yes. Um, because I tell you guys, the COVID is everywhere right now. Everywhere. Uh, I haven't left my house. I went out on Sunday did some stuff like kn95 masks but yeah i'm trying to like if i get through this trip without getting covid i am going to be so surprised my goal right now is to get to italy without getting covid like not that i want to like have covid in italy but like i have an apartment there that i could stay in and just like cancel pieces of the trip if i get it there and i would just be in italy like in a different environment if i get through this without covid i'll be super excited it's a weird calculus. Before we went to California, I was like, I'm not going out as much. I'm going to be a little more careful for four or five days before. And then once I got there, it was like, 
these are the things I really want to enjoy and I'm just going to do them and I'll be less careful. And then other things that I don't care about as much, maybe I'll mask up and be more cautious, you know, do you have any more thoughts about Dr. Strange since we talked last? Okay. So Dr. Strange, um, my biggest thought about Dr. Strange is that everybody needs to go see everything everywhere all at once so that they understand those references when I'm talking about the multiverse. Because it was really fun when somebody, I think it was Xiao, caught my Everything Everywhere All at Once references and jumped in. Because that is a really good multiverse show. Yeah. Movie. Really good multiverse movie. Um, But one of the things with Doctor Strange is over time, I'm I'm not hating the multiverse in this iteration. Like, they're completely inconsistent with their multiverse. We didn't get Kang. Do we know why we didn't have Kang? Um, I mean, I just think Kang isn't going to be in everything they do that's multiversal. Okay. I mean, that just seemed like a weird thing to not have in this movie. But I mean, they do have the practical thing that there's so many trains running that they were finishing this movie up at the same time they started Ant-Man and the Wasp. And like, I could see them almost just creating lanes like, no, multiverse cannot, multiverse of madness cannot touch Kang because it's possible that you will do something that then messes us up with Ant-Man and the Wasp. And like, we've got to sort of let the creative teams know like who they have and who's in their sandbox. So they're not getting on each other's toes, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way the multiverse is sort of irritating me at the moment is that it seems like we have multi multiverses, but I guess if there's infinite multiverses, if there's infinite universes, you can have infinite multiverses, but it is holding up like in my mind and as i think about it and everything how about you because you had just seen it when we talked last week yeah um i mean i'm still enjoying i've gotten where i can't hardly feel like i can evaluate these movies till i've Mm -hmm. seen them a second time at least so i'm not really sure how i feel i think that i'm really interested to see it and be able to pay attention to more thematic stuff because i I didn't think of it really as a, a, a like heavily themed movie but then near the end there was some of this discussion about fears and like christine even looks at dr strange and says you just need to face your fears and that's kind of what america was going through as well is that every time she got afraid she lost control of her power it's about her like confronting fear to be able to use her powers the way she wanted and so i think that there's probably a really interesting through line particularly in a movie that's more scary than any other mcu movie I think there's a lot in here about fear and how it propels us and how it makes us make bad decisions. I think the Illuminati makes bad decisions because of their fear of strange. And there's a question of like how rightfully afraid of strange should people be? The fact that our strange is still making some of the same mistakes that the other stranges that went bad made. There's just a lot there about what you're afraid of and what you'll do to avoid the things you're afraid of. And I'm really kind of interested to watch it a second time, teasing that out more, like keeping that more front and center of my mind now that I know that's thematically there. Yeah, I I think that's some really good stuff to look for. And you kind of sort of touched on, I mean, you came, Wanda, you know, like there again, like her fear. I mean, like her grief. Can we just talk about the Wanda stuff on the internet this week? Wanda was the villain of this movie. Just because grief led her to being a villain doesn't make her not a villain. 
I always extrapolate things to like bigger principles. And so when I see people like, well, if you were hurting like Wanda, you'd understand. I don't want to be in a world where violence against other people is like just rubber stamped. And then we go, Oh, that's okay. You were grieving. Like, yes. Almost any person who is sort of like radicalized to be engaged in some sort of violence, whether it's sort of religious fundamentalism or nationalism or whatever, like most of the people in the world that do bad stuff do it because they have legitimate grief in their life. And the idea that grief just gives you carte blanche to do what you want is kind of terrifying me in the, the like rhetoric around the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a grief. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's just a good message to say out loud. Grief doesn't give you the right to blow up universes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, like it's okay to grieve. It's bad to kill people while grieving. And there's, there's two separate things. I mean, I feel like we had this conversation a bit with Killmonger even. You can empathize with a villain's choices and still declare them morally abhorrent. Like, I get why you did those things, but those things are wrong. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting the weeds, but like, even when I think of like um, school shooters, you know, like kids that, that, that a lot of times I can empathize that they've been picked on, they've been bullied, they've been mistreated by their peers, they've been made to feel worthless and they have mental health stuff. Like I can empathize why they go do things they do and also say it's completely morally abhorrent and you shouldn't do those things. Like it does seem like people like confuse it where they're like, well, if I can empathize with them, then it must not be that bad. No, that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or even if they have the potential to do good later then what they did that was bad, wasn't bad. Like somebody can be redeemable. Somebody can be forgiven, but they were still bad in that moment. Yeah. And the things that they did were, I mean, this is the nature of forgiveness. Is mm-hmm. it saying that we are going to no longer hold against you the wrong things that you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to forgive, you have to admit that something was wrong. In the first place. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Right. No, it's, it's, that's all fascinating. And some of it is like, there's great old clips of, um that's been going around of elizabeth olsen and she'll just straight up say like way back on ultron i want to do a house of m type story where wanda becomes the bad guy because she just sort of totally loses her stuff because of her overcoming grief and be able to play that part of the character like but she doesn't talk about it glowingly it's not like a heroic turn she's always wanted to get a chance to take sort of a villainous turn with this character and she did it amazingly so yeah i've seen that i i don't know there's been like a weird side discussion this past week among some people i've been chatting with in regards to the comic accuracy and i haven't read the wanda comics but it's also sort of been going with with um with dr strange and with moon knight just sort of like well but in the comics these characters well and i think we can even look at it with the upcoming um miss marvel is just yeah, like the powers and stuff if yeah. they're changing these things about these characters then i don't know if they're still the characters and i just can't believe that we're in such a big conversation right now about comic accuracy maybe it's it's a sign of us moving into this new phase of the mcu 
that we have these new-ish characters. Well, Wanda's not a new character, obviously, but but we have these characters are newly coming to the forefront that people actually have fallen in love with with the comics, and we're just now getting to see them at the forefront compared to the comics. People suddenly care about the comic accuracy again. And I'm wondering if it's just like a different crowd <laughs> that's yeah. been reading. You know, we're pulling in different comic readers to the conversation as well. I think there's also a scale of the more obscure the character, the more I think people could understandably be sensitive to it. Because if it's Spider-Man and it's a version that you don't find to be particularly accurate, well, there's already been two live action ones and there's been a TV show. There's been four animated shows. Like you have had a lot of bites at the apple to get the part of Peter Parker you really care about. And so if the latest one doesn't do it for you, don't worry. They'll revamp it down the road with somebody else. But if you're a big Moon Knight fan, it's like, I might not get another go at Moon Knight. You know, like MCU Moon Knight might be the only one in my lifetime that ever gets developed. And I could see where you're a little more sensitive then because you've only got one at bat versus some of these other characters that have been reiterated and done so many times in so many mediums. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. True, true. So I am interested to talk a little bit. um, We've talked in the past about Marvel and directors and how much freedom they give us. I felt like this was a very Sam Raimi sort of movie. On Twitter, I've seen people complain about like the transitions because Sam always likes a really like colorful transition. Uh, I have to say, I have to say that transition, like early in the movie, I don't remember what scene they were in, but then it's just like Wong's face. Uh Uh-huh. It, it was jarring. And on the second watch, it was jarring. And and I don't know what he was going for there, but it was jarring. I did not know that was a Raimi. I don't, I haven't watched enough Raimi to have like a mind for what is Raimi. Yeah, there's sort of a Raimiism that he likes to do clever transitions like that. Mm-hmm. Sort of like when you see a Star Wars movie, they do like wipe transitions, which seem really abrupt, but it's Star Wars. They've always done wipe transitions. Um, there's that. There was the um, the montage when she's like doing the, uh, the dream walking where it's like different characters and they like change the opacity of the film and they like overlap them. And there's like candles and there's like music and it's all very yeah, 90s yeah. montage Yeah. That's very Raimi. I also felt like, you know, Sam Raimi, for better or worse, gets a little criticized with the Spider-Man movies, that they're like an, a, a comic book, almost not lived in sort of world. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like New York City, like the Defenders felt like New York City. It's more an idealized, like 1960s sort of New York City. And I felt like even that um, you, that main universe they visited, the 383 or whatever, it was supposed to be like a very lush, beautiful garden universe, but the color palette and everything did feel a little less realistic and a little more stylized. And for me, I'm, I'm okay with all that stuff. Like I'm okay for a Sam Raimi movie to feel different. Comic book artists don't draw everybody the same. And like things are, you know, like, It is fascinating to me that after getting pooped on so many years about the Marvel house style, 
everything's gray they color grade everything in a boring way there's no good cinematography that then they let sam raimi kind of do his individual stylistic flourish people are like what is this this is weird i don't like this it does yeah. feel like people are never happy you know yeah no i mean and granted there's a lot of people out there so it could be different ones complaining right but but yeah it does i feel a whole lot that it's like you know like like i've been saying for a while now the mcu the directions that it's going not everything is going to be for everybody and there's people that it always has been for them are now seeing things that they don't love and it's kind of like but i don't like this but you know and 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 I think there's going to be a bit of that as they go in this, these directions. Yeah. I do wonder if Feige almost is pleased by it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I do wonder if Marvel Studios sometimes looks at it and goes, as long as we can make back our money and make a profit, I'm happy to put out. Because for me, I want to keep Feige entertained. I don't <laughs> think he's enough of a filmmaker. I don't want him to ever get bored with this. And so yeah. if it means, hey, we're going to go with Chloe Zhao and make a movie that's all about twilight hour, magic hour, and real live beaches and beautiful sunsets, and and then we're going to make a Raimi more horror kind of movie, and we're going to do a Moon Knight thing that's really weird, but then more con- traditional, like coming of age story with Miss Marvel, as long as Kevin's excited about it awesome just keep him around you know like i still want him to keep his interests so if that keeps him from running off to build one of these other universes yeah yeah i I agree and he seems to be enough of a film buff that like i'm sure getting to make an indiana jones ish episode of moon knight probably gets him a little more now you know the question is how hands-on is he on any of this anymore but yeah. still, you would hope that that gets him excited in a way that doing Moon Knight as Batman for six episodes maybe didn't, you know. Um, one of the things we didn't talk about a whole lot last week was uh, there was a lot of talk about LGBTQ plus representation and America Chavez. Um, you know, I, I felt like they did a pretty good job with it. I'm not the person they need to please, though, also on those things. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Right yeah. Now. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk to, I haven't talked to any of my LGBTQIA friends about how they feel about it. Um, I think it was an interesting choice. I mean, like in the comics, she is queer, right? Yes. And so they never i i didn't feel that in the movie they ever explicitly gave her any sexuality so what they did but they made her parents well and they also at least painted her as an ally yeah she had like the rainbow flag pinned to her shirt and i don't know if you notice she has written down like the front of her jacket amor es amor i think uh, spanish for love is love huh i didn't know so there were a couple little hints there. I think like we always thought when you hire, I forget, she's 16 now, 17. She was maybe like 14 when she got hired. You know, when you have kids of a certain age, like they were, it was never going to be super explicit. I feel like on anything. And this wasn't a movie where there was any space for her to fall in love with anyone either, you know? So, 
Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, and, and that is a level of representation. I mean, this is a level of representation that has been requested a lot. I hear from that community is let's casually throw non cishet couples in, you know, let's, let's casually throw in uh, a lesbian or a gay relationship or an asexual character and not make it a big plot point. And I think they did an amazing job of this. She has two moms. That's it. Dr. Strange didn't even blink. I mean, he lives in the West village. So of course he didn't blink, but if there's anybody who there's any if there's any marvel character who should be ready for it it should be dr Strange. yeah yeah i mean anybody that's been to bleaker street knows uh not gonna blink over two moms um you know so but i feel i feel like that was a great step like showing it it was more than two seconds at the beginning of the movie like in game it was an actual you know it was actual characters that, if not much screen time, they had. They had their, you know, they they were more than just a mention. Yeah. They they were a plot point. They didn't tiptoe around the issue. They they made it very clearly. It is two moms. It is, you know, I yeah, mean, like, Strange never said parents, you know, to like, yeah, kind of blunt it or whatever. You know, so I feel like it was a great step, um, but I would leave it to that community to say, like, you know, I, I mean, I think no matter what you get in those situations, some people within that community are going to want more and some people are going to think it's a great step and some people, yeah. you know, so, I mean, we'll see where her character goes and what her character, maybe in that universe, there are only women and it is nothing but you know yeah. female relationships and it's, it's like not- wonder woman and the amazons right like, yeah that's what we got you know yeah i mean like we don't really know much about her universe that she came from so um except for maybe they have lynn manuel with the amores memoir amores amore um well, i was thinking more like does she live in a universe where there are people who are like bigoted because like she's wearing like ally type gear you would think that wouldn't be necessary in a universe where that's you know totally accepted so i find that interesting yeah i mean or maybe just rainbows are rainbows and people wear a lot of you know yeah i I mean there's a lot of questions about that that they could still explore so i feel like they could have been more explicit they could have yeah they could have spelled out some of this but i think for disney for a you know potentially billion dollar movie or you know multi hundred million dollar movie i think these were big steps for them it was much more than endgame um i i think it was handled very nice i i like the way it was handled as you know this is just this is just a relationship not a blink this is what you know two moms whatever um but i don't feel like i'm one to say that this was enough like absolutely uh, and certainly it was enough to bother people too, as far as like the film did not show in parts of the Middle East. Uh, China would not show this, but also, did you hear the crazy thing about the Chinese deal? No. Oh, so, and maybe I did, but I don't remember it. So apparently it's they have not said that it's it's those issues that stopped this, that it's not showing in China in part because there's one newsstand during the Gargantos fight that's like in the background and there's some Chinese characters on the newsstand that's for 
a sort of famously anti-communist Chinese newspaper somewhere. And it's wow. like, it's like half a frame <laughs> in the background of the Gargantos fight. And so like China's, Chinese social media went crazy. Like, oh, see, they're actively propagating anti-communist stuff. And it's like, okay, guys. And yesterday, um, Iger, not Iger, uh, yesterday, Bob Chapek in his uh, Wall Street talk was just like, you know, we just, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be that worried about this anymore. Cause like, if, it, if that's what it is, if they're gonna get that upset about that little a thing, yeah. Disney cannot realistically try to build movies around not doing anything that's gonna bug them. And he's like, we make such a little percentage on the Chinese box office anyways, who cares? <laughs> wow. I, I can't believe, wow. I thought, the Chinese box office was a big deal. So it's weird. The Chinese box office is a big deal for the overall number. There's a lot of movies that make like, say, and I forget Aquaman. I may be overstating this, but Aquaman made like a billion dollars. And I want to say 20, 30% of its, its billion came from China. And they make a big deal about it because of the overall gross. But the difference is, I think they only get like 20 or 30 cents on the dollar from the Chinese box office. The Chinese government recoups a lot of that money. And so like, yeah, on the one hand, maybe Dr. Strange walked away from 200 million of box office gross, but their box office net would have been more like 40 or $50 million dollars which is equivalent to like a hundred million dollars in some place like Italy. And so it's just kind of funny once you start putting those multipliers through. Huh. Well, good on Disney. I mean, because I feel like trying to go for the Chinese market has really limited them in a lot of ways. I mean, it's what got them into that whole ancient one situation with the first Dr. Strange movie. Yeah was you know just trying not to peeve china that's why i'm like if they would go to those links a few years ago to now just be like okay whatever china is is just very interesting well and it would seem that the chinese government is is at this point ruining their own influence because hollywood was paying attention yeah they've gotten so particular now and so pedantic then at some point the studios go, we'll play some game with you, but we're not playing this game. You know, like we'll work with you if you're reasonable, but if you're just going to go crazy over little stuff like this, whatever, you know? Yeah. Huh. So that was an interesting little subplot. I felt like all that stuff. That is fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think that'll definitely change like what we get in the Marvel movies. Um. To, to no longer care about China. So. Yeah. Hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cost of magic. So there's a little bit in Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange about the cost always comes due. You've messed with the time stone and it has a cost. This movie opened with uh, Dr. West, where it's like, you know, you messed around with stuff and it, you know, took out five years of my life. And there's that really great moment where he's like, my dog died or whatever. And the theater laughed. And he's like, and my brother. And there was like, oh. Yeah. 
And then Strange is doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. He ends the movie with the eyeball popping out. You know, they solved that pretty easily because by the time we got to the mid credits, it seems like the eyeball wasn't a concern anymore. Yeah. But it was still, freaking me out though. <laughs> it was freaking <laughs> It does seem like it's, I mean, I would think we're heading to a place where eventually Doctor Strange cannot keep playing fast and loose with the rules forever. I would think Doctor Strange 3 at some point will be, you must pay a price for all this junk that you have done that you're not supposed to do. Yeah, and I feel like that's what the Illuminati was trying to do. Yeah, I feel like the Illuminati were at this point where they have seen Strange, you know, unapologetically keep going, going further and further and further, and they knew that he needed to be stopped in any universe so i feel like it wasn't completely without consequences he just got lucky this time yeah um and and i i I mean i i feel like that's there's something about his cocky assuredness that he plays so well i mean it it and just to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and having those ramifications and sort of accepting them like there's no whininess to it there's no element of but guys i was trying to save the universe right you know <laughs> like so yeah i mean i'm sure every movie i mean i feel like every movie has had an element of him being asked to you know him the cost coming due and yeah i mean in the third one i'm sure it will continue to escalate I don't think he's going to, you know, get zapped by Black Bolt at the end of his three movies or anything, but maybe that would be funny. Just the end of the third movie, there'd be another Black Bolt and him just be like, sorry. (laughs) And it'd be over. I mean, I I could see them. They kind of did a storyline in the comics in the last couple of years where he creates basically a new villain. I think it's called Misery. And it's just like all of the darkness and all the evil from the stuff he's done over the decades that just like congels into this like big black goop with a million eyeballs that just wants to kill him because he's like, he's managed to take the cost and deflect it and just like throw it into a pit in the basement. And it turns into a sentient, terrifying, angry thing. And I could see some version of that where he has to come face to face with like the personification of his expended costs that he's put down the road. Could that come through? And I don't know as much about um, Nightmare. Could it come through in a Nightmare storyline? Yeah, I think it could. I mean, I think the other way to do it, it would probably upset some people. The other way it could happen is that you end up uh, fridging Wong. Like Uh, that you create this evil that kills the Sorcerer Supreme and Wong's death. There's this moment of recognition of all this stuff I did. Wong ended up paying the price because they also did something like that in the comics where where Strange's cost somehow went onto Wong's shoulders. And that made more sense in the comics because Wong was more like a a manservant or whatever. But um, that was kind of something they've done there, too. So. Yeah, do you think... I mean, I don't see Wong surviving a trilogy. Yeah, I mean, 
he certainly has built up enough personality now and people like him enough. He's a great candidate to kill in as much as it will affect the audience emotionally if he were to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm in favor of it. I'm not like that, you know. I would like to see him around for a long time. Cause yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, movie. like I got a little sad in this movie because I was like, Oh my gosh. And like the course of a trilogy, this might be the movie where we lose long. Um, and luckily we didn't, he died a few times in this movie, but just got lucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like at least twice. Like he fell a really long way, but still somehow landed on a six inch ledge with his body <laughs> and took a nap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I feel like there was uh, the long element. Sorry, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, yeah, and like having to pay with Wong and everything. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that came up, I had my notes, is I did feel like the, the logic of the Darkhold it's a little hand wavy, you know, like, oh, this is a very magical power book, but if you stab it, it disintegrates. But don't worry, it's written somewhere else in the cave of Mount Wondegore. That has but your statue? That has, yeah, and then, but if you destroy that, it destroys all the dark holds in every universe. I don't know why. Is that true? Is that true for any Mount Wondegore in any universe? Are we the only one that has one? If so, so does that mean ours is important? Like... I, I had to explain this myself, but my personal interpretation of it is Wanda applied magic as she destroyed okay. the cave that made it extend to the other universes. Like almost like the shadow walking type of mythology to the other books, because that was like the heart of the dark hold. That, right. that she applied some sort of magic that then destroyed all of the dark holds and other universes. So she made the, it was almost like she made the dark hold dream walk to all of its brethren. And then by yeah. destroying, well, not the dark hole, but she made Mount or the cave. Yeah. Yeah. The Mount Wondergor. Like she made that, like when she destroyed it, she managed to destroy it in every universe or yeah. something along those lines so that all dark holds would be destroyed. It also felt very convenient for the plot. And it helped to make her very heroic. Like, hey, yeah. Scarlet Witch cleaned up the entire multiverse of the Darkhold in one mm. big act of heroism, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe she wants to be on the lunchbox. <laughs> but if they put her on the lunchbox right now, I, I don't think your kids should carry it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think they had to because it was right, like the whole movie when I was watching it the first time, I was like, how are they like they are not going to send Wanda down a villain route and just leave her as an unredeemable villain. Like they're not going to just put her on par with Thanos, you know, as a as a killer that goes to the end thinking they're justified in the killing that they did. So, yeah, I'm totally with you that she had to do that destruction of the Darkhold for them to pull her back and and at least keep her as a character that you don't know if you can trust or not. Right. Versus, like, Thanos, you know you can't trust. <laughs> 
Like he was unapologetically who he was. Though, good intentions. So maybe he's good. Maybe we should just have empathy for somebody trying to save him. According to Twitter logic, Thanos <laughs> is right. <laughs> um, that's, that's, yeah. If I decide to stir up stuff on Twitter again, that's where I'm going. <laughs> um, the only other note I had on this was just this movie did not have a very good um, score on Rotten Tomatoes or cinema score. I mean, not very good. Not as good as other MCU offerings. And I've been watching the box office. It Listen, it's making lots and lots of money. But if you compare it to other MCU movies, it debuted as the fourth highest Friday of all time. And then it dropped on day two to the fifth of all time on day two. And then by Sunday, it dropped to seventh all time on day three. And it probably will be down to eighth or ninth before this week is over. And that's a trajectory that's actually pretty similar to what Black Widow did. Black Widow didn't start as high, but Black Widow started at one spot and then compared to other movies where they sort of held even, she sort of lost box office at a quicker rate. And I think we're seeing that with Strange, that it is not going to have quite the legs of other movies, which is totally just the physics of the box office for if you categorize this as a horror movie that's the way horror movies play like they just don't have as long of legs um given that sorry go ahead and i also feel like the movie slate like it's getting better but the movie slate is still super crowded um i mean even if you want to go see a good multiverse movie instead of seeing dr strange twice you should see dr strange and everything everywhere all at once you know my friends prioritized going to see the northman over going to see dr strange um don't do that i mean it wasn't bad but yeah and it doesn't it's funny because for box office it may not mean that you're not going to see dr strange it's just that a second or third or fourth viewing is instead going to be top gun maverick or it's going to be the northman or it's going to you're like oh i want to see that a third time or do i want to see something else Whereas like Spider-Man, the reason it made so much money is a month and a half later, it was like, oh, there's still nothing out but (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, like right now there is so much at the box office and it's, it's a lot of competition. Like, I don't feel like you even have the theaters. Like I feel like in New York City, the theaters that had Doctor Strange last weekend were full, but there wasn't anywhere near as many showings as I expected. Because, I mean, like, literally just to be able to have an offering of the North- Northmen and whatever else was out. Um, it, it, you know. So I, I think there's a lot of competition right now. I think this is an easily rewatchable movie. I, I, def- I mean, like, obviously, I went and saw it again. Um, I think it's one that you need to see twice because it's got a lot to it. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think we can blame it on the current surge because there is a COVID surge. I I, I don't no think people are changing their life over it though, except for me, the hermit this week. Um, I mean, but even me, the hermit, I went to two movies last weekend, so it wasn't that much of a hermit yeah. life. Yeah, I just think what some are pointing to, and I think is an interesting thing, Marvel has had this particular cinema score 
Marvel has had this unbelievable run of A's and A minuses over the history of their thing. And so it's kind of interesting that Black Widow, I'm pretty sure, was an A minus. And then they got a good score for Shang-Chi. But then Eternals was a B. And then No Way Home was A plus. But now Doctor Strange is a B plus. And so there really are, at least on that one metric, they are a little more 50-50 in the last five or six movies. And people have said cinema score really is about gauging how much a movie met expectations. And I think at the very least what I'm comfortable saying is that this phase of the MCU has taken more risks and has been more willing to subvert expectations. And at the very least, the cinema score is showing that. And to some degree, that may affect the box office. You know, it may mean that a movie like Doctor Strange makes whatever, 1.1 billion instead of 1.2 or 1.3. Like, and ultimately Disney doesn't, care that much you know i mean it's hard to ever say what something could make or couldn't make uh if it was different but um and i also feel like they're in a in a building period like disney i think i mean i don't know their stock is in the trash can but i think they're looking at this this phase right now as we're creating all these characters we're creating this new phase we're going into this new saga they're hope maybe hopefully planning to make that extra hundred million that doesn't come through in merchandising and you know new things to the younger audience that's going to have new interests and and go in these other directions yeah i mean i easily spent more money on cups in my sweatshirt and a a a, a wanda pin for my wife's land like like we just put way more money into merchandising the last two weeks than we have on movie tickets for Doctor Strange, but we did it because the movie's coming out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of these risks, but you know, if you, I mean, I don't know how much merchandising is, you can only sell so many Funkos, um, but, but you can maybe sell a hundred million dollars worth of Funkos. <laughs> maybe. I don't and- know. You, you make a really good point, though, and I think this is important. It felt like we were going to really reset af- after Endgame. The fact that that reset has not been an avalanche of origin movies, like I've been thankful the reset has not been complete, but we are still in the ground building phase. Like we are at the, we're still at like level, the second or third floor of what will inevitably be a 15 or 16 story building. And it's going to take time to get there. And, you know, they're laying, I'm assuming they're laying a lot of groundwork that I'm sure if we're still doing this in 2027, we're going to be like, oh, gee, the way that like Shang-Chi and its references to Wong tied into the multiversal stuff of No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. And then the TVA then impacted it in a way we didn't think from look like, I am suspicious that that all is going to come together and sitting here and going, I don't see how it's going to happen. Does not, you just have to be patient, you know, like they've shown that they can weave these things together with enough time and enough properties. I mean, this was an origin movie for America Chavez. 
Yeah. Like this was her origin movie and it's going to make a billion dollars because they marketed it as a Doctor Strange movie. And that's genius. You know, if they had just come out and said, we're going to make it an America Chavez movie and, you know, here's Doctor Strange also on the poster. That wouldn't have come anywhere near what it what this is. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, this is building you know this was a backdoor pilot to whatever she's going to be in the future of this and i think they're doing a lot of that and i think they're also seeing what sticks i mean there's some stuff may not be sticking and it may be helping them focus on where they're going but yeah they are taking risks and it's kind of nice to see well and we've talked about this a lot the explosion of new characters since Endgame, we have gotten, and I'll, I'll miss some, I'm sure, but we've gotten Monica Rambeau and we've gotten Agatha Harkness. And um, it's not a new character, but we have Sam sort of fully taking up the Captain America shield. Mm-hmm. We've had Sylvie, we've had Kang, we've had um, Echo into the mix. You we've have added the Patriot, Patriot guy from Falcon Winter Soldier. Yep, right. We've um right. we've added the um Yelena out mm-hmm. of Black Widow. We've done all the new people that came through with Shang-Chi, an entire 10 characters from Eternals. Um and so and then you know this movie gives us America and we're soon going to have Miss Marvel and we're going to have Ironheart and we're going to have Namor. And so like I mean, that's just a ton of characters. And the fact that I look forward to a future with those characters instead of we raise Tony Stark from the dead. Like, I'm ecstatic about that. I'm really happy that Marvel is replenishing and relo- you know, reloading w- with Moon Knight and Scarlet Scarab, right? Like, that is a far more interesting future to me than, oh, let's find a way to pull Cap out of the ice one more time. Yeah. And so... I'm I'm happy with that. And I just think we got to be patient to see what all those pieces look like when they come together. And all of this is before we even go to whatever they're planning with the Fantastic Four and mutants and, yep. you know, whatever direction they're going with all of that. But in the meantime, they gave you a little tiny, tiny bite. Yep. But yeah, so. Awesome. Well, it's been good, Rhiannon. I'm glad yeah. you could be on. As we said, you're going to be on vacation, so me and Adam might do something while you're gone. Yeah. But, um, I figured we talked tonight and talk a little more Doctor Strange. That was my list of stuff. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. You guys have a good chat. Um, and I will be back here in June. Yeah. When does when does Miss Marvel start? This Marvel starts June 5th, 8th, something like that. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. I'll be back just in time for Miss Marvel talk. And then are you going to any cons this summer? See, I'm going to San Diego. Okay. So, I mean, I've been looking at the calendar because July, there's that. And then first yeah. or second weekend of September is D23. And I think it's going to be another big fun season of getting a lot of new stuff. So. Yeah, I don't have a ticket to D23. Oh, I don't have a ticket to San Diego. Um, I don't have a ticket to D23, but I might try to get, we'll see what hurricane season does. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I just, 
didn't see any purpose in investing in D23 when that time of year hurricanes can control my life. Um, I do have a ticket for New York Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, which hurricanes can destroy that part of my life as well. But I don't care. It's New York Comic Con. I'm going to yeah, go. It's, it's around the corner too. Like you can kind of halfway do it. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I, my, my main problem this year is I'm on the, there's certain times that if a hurricane comes, I'm on the team that prepositions in St. Thomas. Yeah. So Wait, you preposition the hurricane. Is that what you said? <laughs> I, yes. Yes. They send me out and I try to talk it down. Hey so, there, hurricane. Uh, you want to go somewhere else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I drink a lot of rum and I stand out on whatever <laughs> side of the island. And, that's a uh, stupid joke oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it for me new york's hard because now that studios has taken over jeff Loeb like to bring stuff to comedy yeah yeah i'm not confident new york is gonna get i feel like d23 and san diego are the places that studios is gonna do all their stuff that plus investor calls you know yeah yeah i'm hoping i mean I, I mean, yeah, I do New York because it's in my neighborhood and uh, save Daredevil. We're making big plans just to be there because right. it, it, no matter what's being presented, there's a lot of Daredevil fans at New York Comic Con. Um, I'll try to get my rooftop again and see what we can put together. I might uh, come down just for the rooftop if that happens. Y- you should. Yeah. You should. Um, the, the, my rooftop got a little more complicated last year, yeah. but we'll see what we can do this year uh it's always a good crew that comes out so yeah i mean but i'm definitely going to san diego um save daredevil we've been planning our new swag for the season um the 2022 line (laughs) the 2022 save daredevil swag season fall collection (laughs) Uh, yes yes uh we are not changing our logo to reflect any sort of finish line being crossed i don't think are you gonna wait to print them until september 12th or something like that yeah we're we're gonna i mean i don't for san diego oh for yeah right we are not changing we are not you know doing anything but we do have some new swag that we're planning some stuff that i'm super excited about that that i think people will be excited to see so uh and and I'm still working on getting a badge. That's that's up in the air. I, I actually, Marvel News Desk, we applied for a press pass. I'm oh. sure they'll just laugh at us. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Um, as I put in our social numbers, if, if about 10,000 more people could go follow us real quick, that would be awesome. Be helpful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I applied for us a press badge, but working on some other avenues as well to try to get inside the building. But otherwise, I have I have a cousin in San Diego, and I might go out there and just yeah. hang out with the people camping and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff to do in San Diego if you don't go to the con. So, right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rhiannon. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hey. If you want to support the show, you know the ways to do it, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll be back eventually. I don't know, sometime between now and Miss Marvel, probably. But we'll see you later. <laughs>